Good to be a champion. Hey, welcome to the 423 Soccer Pod. This is episode four of uh, the 423 Soccer Pod. This is Jim, and you can find me on Twitter at Chattagooner. And this is Todd. You can find me at Great Footballer on Twitter. And so, uh, Todd, how about that match? Uh, we just watched the U.S. take down the Netherlands 2-0 um, with uh, goals from the spot from Rapino and a, a second amazing goal from Rose Lavelle, uh, what did you think? It was it was just one of those. I don't know. It was a, it was a really gritty performance, and uh, I was watching that. And I, I don't know. I thought that Holland was going to come out and kind of play the style that they had played to get them to the final, which was sort of dynamic. It was you know kind of attack minded. It was it, you know really they garnered a lot of attention, and then they come out and they're in a four four two. It looked like we were playing Sweden in different colors. So I was just like, okay, well, I guess it's going to be like that for ninety minutes. But it worked and for it, it worked was. for him. It worked for him in the first half, though. I mean, it caused oh, it, it, it caused did. problems. It did. You know, we expect for the U.S. to come out guns blazing in that first fifteen minutes, the way they had done like the whole tournament, and it just kind of got shut down. Yeah. Uh, and then you saw like, and as it kind of went on, there was a, a space of about ten minutes. I want to say it was from about the thirty fifth or maybe the 33rd to like the 43rd, somewhere in there, that the U.S. really cranked up the pressure mm-hmm. on Holland. The pressure that we expected in the first 10 to 15 ended up being the last 10 to 15 and a half. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we go in scoreless at the half, and I'm like, oh, this, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't feel that great about it in the end of the first half. Yeah, yeah. Well, they turned it around, though, and, and came out playing really well in the second half. And, um, I, you know, I, you know I, I, uh, I lost it a little bit. When uh, when Rose uh, Lavelle scored, I mean that was just it. Just she is so good at taking up space and dribbling with the ball, and to have her in the middle, and uh, and you know danger like Heath out on the right, and either Rapino or Press on the left, and with Morgan in the middle, and then an anchor that Ertz. You know, I have to admit, um, you know, I I was I, I have. I, I was not a fan of Ertz moving into the kind of up to the midfield, but my goodness, uh, it's, it's like there are two of her there, and she just dominates that area. I mean, I, it's just um, I was, as usual, you know, I was wrong. So well, uh, she she what she lacks in like I don't think she's the fastest player, no, but she reads the game so well, smart. positions herself. Yeah, if. Matter of fact, there's a few men's players I wish could take notes on her uh, awareness on the field Michael at all Bra- times. So. Michael, Michael Bradley. <laughs> oh, come on now. We don't have to go there. <laughs> but, no, it was – no, what a, what a great win. And I don't know. I looked at the teams. I mean, you look at the teams they had to go through outside of the first game against Thailand but you know, and Chile. But then to go through Sweden, Spain, France, England, and then finally Holland to be crowned world champions. I I mean, that's such a difficult run to go through. I mean, the only other like European powerhouse you could have thrown in there that they managed to dodge was Germany. And I mean, somebody had to be on the other side of the bracket. So, uh, but just really hats off to the, to the ladies because it was, it was quite a run. It really was. I mean, they, they, and they took everyone's best shot. I mean, they really did. You know that that England match was uh, was a, a tough one and uh, a fun match to watch. Uh, I would imagine it was especially fun for the neutral. But um, so yeah, so it was tough. It was it was fun and it's great to have that fourth star. Um, and uh, it was just, it's just it's just great. So it was a good tournament. I really enjoyed it. Um, so anyway, to get back to what most of you are probably here to talk about or to listen to. Uh, is uh, CFC. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Greenville match now that we have slept. Uh, you may have heard on the rant last night, you know, we talked a little bit kind of right at the whistle there. Uh, we've had a chance to, I've had a chance to go back and Todd and I've had a chance to talk through at least the first two goals. The third one, there's less to talk about um, and talk a little bit about the, the match and how it flowed. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. We have Eric Long from the protagonist, uh, from, excuse me, from protagonistsoccer.com. 
he did a series of articles. Uh, Todd tweeted that out from the soc- from the Soccer Pod uh, Twitter account earlier. So if you haven't had a chance to go check out those articles, please do. It talks about CFC. It talks about the team across the across the road from us in East Ridge. It talks about the academy. It talks about some high school soccer. Um, it really does a, a a fairly decent job of kind of giving you a high level look at what the what at least the Chattanooga front of the soccer war kind of looks like. <laughs> Um, and so it was, it was really good to talk with him and talk a little bit about uh, kind of where he is and, and what he's doing. Um, so that, and then after that, we'll be back with some final thoughts about playoffs and, and some other stuff um, and talk a little bit more about the day of soccer that we have here. So, so Todd, about the, about the match last night, you have any, you have any uh, things you want to talk about? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I still feel pretty much like I did last night. Uh, still disappointed. Uh, you know, we, I felt like we had the majority of the play. I felt like we had obviously the majority of the shots and we outshot them 15 to four. The difference being three of their four shots went in the goal. Uh, that's a, that seemed to be a difference maker last night. Uh, but, you know, looking back at the goals, I, you know, just kind of going back to what you said, uh, it just seems to be a, just, you know, three moments in the match where we basically just switched off and we were punished all three times. Yeah. Yeah. So we went back and looked and, you know, that first goal was uh, off a throw. Uh, the throw comes in um, to one of Greenville's players. He passes it. The guy he passes it to is just unmarked. I mean, I don't know why. It's right off a throw. He's unmarked. He takes a touch. And puts a ball like, towards the spot, and there's just a free guy. I mean, he is, you know, I'm sitting here looking at one of my screen caps, and he's just, right after he heads the ball, there is nobody within three yards of him. And, you know, he was marked by uh, Juan Hernandez, which is a little, like, um, why is Juan marking somebody in the, at, the, at, the, uh, at the penalty spot? Um and, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Juan loses him, and he just goes in. He's got a free header at the six, and so there's not a whole lot there that uh, D'Amico could do. Um, <clears throat> the second goal is, again, a situation where uh, we get a player who gets beaten out wide one-on-one uh, uh, down our right, and the guy goes in and crosses the ball, and there's a free runner coming from 40 yards, and just nobody sees him. And nobody picks him up. Uh, I think it was Walsh that was out on that side. He do, he when he doesn't see him until his until it's he like flies by, and by the time he can react, he's five yards by. Uh, I will say that it's a great finish by the Greenville player. I mean, it's a leaping volley. Um, and he, then he gets it on. He does what he's supposed to do. He gets it on target. Uh, maybe some of our listeners will know more about keeping than I do, but I think it's. I think. I think Phil probably will feel like he should have done better there. He was well positioned, uh, had his foot up against the post, had his arm against the post, and then when the shot comes in, he just takes a step off off the line, and that's where the ball goes. If he had stayed still, it would hit. It hits him in the chest. Um, so it's just just switching off. That's, that's all I can really say. I don't. I don't really know if you have any other thoughts on those two things, uh, Todd. No, I don't really have anything to elaborate on other than, you know, these are, it's, it was an interesting game. I mean, it comes at an interesting time where, you know, the playoffs are already set, everything's settled. Everybody's really just waiting on next Friday night for the playoffs to start. But at the same time, I think there has to be a certain amount of the leaders on the team have to step up and make sure that everybody is in the right frame of mind to go out and take care of business. And, you know, you expect those leaders to be your more experienced players. Um, you know, and you know your, your player wearing the armband, so uh, I, I don't really know what happened last. I'm sure Bill's gonna, or excuse me, Coach Elliot. <laughs> uh, it's not like we're best friends, but <laughs> anyway, it, I'm sure Coach Elliot's gonna go back and, and dissect this tape uh, better than we do, and yeah. and make the necessary changes. And and I'm sure he will uh, uh, position the team to, to win next uh, Friday night. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, maybe that's enough said about the match. I mean, it was. It's unfortunate, you know, we needed those three points, not so much for this weekend, but for moving forward to give us a shot at hosting, um, you know, depending on some other, uh, some other results around, around NPSL, around the South. Um, so yeah, this, you know, if you would, do you have the, 
Do you have those standings and, and stats handy? I do have the standings. Uh, so with the completion of the regular season, uh, as we talked about last week, CFC uh, will take on the Southeastern Conference Division regular season uh, on 22 points. And then as follows, Greenville on 19, at Asheville 17, enter Nashville 13, Georgia Revs 10, and Atlanta SC 4. Yeah. Uh, so we finished on 2.2 points per game. Uh, when I just kind of glance up and down uh, the MPSL standings right across the country, uh, we are going to be extremely hard-pressed to host any game uh, moving beyond next Friday and Saturday night. So, you know, hey, when the playoffs come, these may be our only two playoff games yeah. that we get. This may be it. So uh, make sure you get down there to Finley, uh, grab a friend, grab 10, uh, because yeah. this this may be the, yeah. the and it could be kind of historic, right? This could be the last time we ever play in MPSL. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But you're yeah. right; it could be. It could be. So, so. next year on the four two three soccer pod, we're going to bring in Eric Long from ProtagonistSoccer.com. Uh, he did a series of articles uh, focusing on the Chattanooga soccer scene. Uh, we uh, we posted those up on our Twitter account. So if you're not familiar with those. Uh, I encourage you to go read those uh, articles. It's a series of, of four covering uh, all aspects of soccer in Chattanooga. He took some time out of his busy set schedule. Uh, he calls Everett Washington home, and, but he was in town uh, for a few days and spent some uh, quality time with us. So uh, enjoy this interview. And uh, welcome back uh, to the pod, 423 Soccer Pod. And, and right now I'd like to, to bring on uh, Eric Long. And Eric is a, a reporter and a journalist for ProtagonistSoccer.com. And you may have read his series of articles on Chattanooga Soccer. Uh, Eric, thanks for taking out, uh, setting some time out to talk with us today. I know you're, you're uh, with family and, and getting ready to, to head back across the country to Washington. So, again, thanks for, thanks for taking some time out to, to speak with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Like, I'm really excited to talk to you guys. So, uh, Todd, I'll will uh, kind of give it to you to to ask some questions, and then Eric will just kind of kind of converse our way through uh, some questions about the the article, about kind of your journey with soccer, and and you know whatever else you'd like to talk about. So, uh, Todd. Hey, Eric. Uh, so, kind of give us if you could your background, uh, your soccer background, and uh, kind of get us into this series you wrote and, and kind of why, why it was important to you. Well, I started watching soccer when I was real young. Um, it was like when I was like eight or something. I was watching like Manchester United was my team. And then I would root for LA Galaxy over here in the States because when I was younger, I picked on all my teams based on video games. So I thought the Galaxy was a really cool name. And I picked them. Um... I started writing in 2015. I started a newspaper at Northwest Whitfield. Uh, I got to interview like Marla Maples and Steve Tom to put the Iowa State and stuff like that. Uh, about 2014, 2015, somewhere at the same time frame, I started paying attention to Chattanooga FC, started hearing about them. Kind of, I wasn't really like, full into it, but I was kind of paying attention to it. Um, and then it was really, the beginning of the 2018 season, I really started paying more attention. And I was like, man, this is really awesome. Like, what they have going on here is something really cool. So I started with someone to write about them and to cover, like, the team and stuff because I just thought it was, like, a really cool thing. And I had been writing for a little bit already. And then that's when someone recommended me to Dan Vaughn, who was starting up uh, a project to cover Little League Soccer at the time. At the time, they haven't named it. Um, so that's what I ended up becoming protagonist soccer. So, yeah, I got that in... End of July or end of June, beginning of July of 2018. I've been there since then, um, and that's what really got me into like the grassroots soccer stuff. Like I had never really like known about. Like I knew there was like the NPSL and the USL, but I never really knew like how deep it was and how many teams there were and like how much of a following it has here. So that really opened my eyes. Was joining protagonists and everything, and then um, I got the idea to write this article at the end of 2018. I like was watching the games, and then it was about the time the Red Wolves were announced. It was a little bit after they were announced. 
I was like, you know, it'd be good to write something about the whole thing. So I think it was really important to me to get a chance to talk about uh, Chattanooga. I believe Chattanooga is the best city in the United States for soccer, hands down. From the high school scene and like the local area from Dalton, Northwest, Northwest Whitfield, Southeast Whitfield, uh, Cole Creek went to a state title game this year. You go up to Chattanooga and you have Baylor, you have McCauley, you have all those powerhouse teams up there too. Like it's just an insanely good level, the prep level. You have the colleges, uh, the colleges are good. The academies are good in the area. Now there's two pro teams in the city. It's just a phenomenal place for soccer. So I think it was really important for me to be able to talk about the city and the soccer scene in the city. All right, you know, I, I will, I'll go back to this. I, I heard uh, you, you picked your uh, favorite team based on the video game. Favorite teams have been picked on uh, for worse reasons, I assure you. So no shame in that. <laughs> so you credit uh, uh, CFC for getting you into grassroots soccer. To you, what defines grassroots soccer? Uh, what, what separates it from, I guess, other forms of soccer we see here and abroad? Um, I believe grassroots soccer is something that's like, really community-based. Like, you see with a lot of the lower league sides, they have to go in and try to work with the community because if they don't, they don't get a following. They don't have people that are really willing to come watch them because it's like a sixth division team, a seventh division team, a regional league team. So, like, having something that's built in the community and something that the community feels like they're a part of is really important to being a grassroots team. Like, Chattanooga FC's always done stuff with the community and everything, and then I mean, this past year, becoming a team owned by the community was just something that like pushed that even further into the grassroots. So I think it's something that's really important, especially for the growth of the game in this country, because it's something that will definitely help bring more eyes to it and help grow the game. So, I, I mean, I love it. I love the grassroots teams. I love getting to cover these teams and learning more about them. So the difference to you by, I mean, one subtle difference would be like a team coming in to a city, whether it be Chattanooga or whether it may be Atlanta, uh, and just plopping down a, you know, uh, big, beautiful stadium and automatically injecting like big name players and versus cultivating from the ground up and actually having to grow roots in the community and grow from there. Would that be a, a good separation point for you? Absolutely. Like I think a grassroots team is a team that, had to start from scratch and really build their way up instead of having all the capital already secured and just plopping things about and going with it. So from your perspective, when, when you look step back and you look at CSC, and I know you said you didn't really start following intently until a little bit later on, but what has CSC gotten right in their, uh, I guess, in their model of, of building a, a grassroots uh, soccer scene? They've got pretty much everything right. They've, built a great support system, like great supporters everywhere. The uh, Chattahooligans are world-class. Like that is one of the best supporters group in the entire nation. Um, they, so they have the fan base. They've went out and got good players constant, consistently. Like it's always, they always have a good team, always competing, uh, bringing it, bringing in other good teams recently, you know, playing Real, uh, Real Betis and playing, the Guatemalan teams and all that, that's adding to it. I really don't know anything they've done wrong. Like, off the top of my head, they've just excelled as an organization, putting together great things. Uh, one of my personal favorite things about CFC is the CFC Foundation, Operation Get Active, and everything they're doing in the community on that side. Uh, it's just amazing the things they're doing. So, I guess... I guess to kind of look at the, a little bit of the bigger picture here, and and you may have to speculate a little bit. You don't have to if you don't want to. When you look at the USL and uh, and their structure and and the things that they're up against, when you when you heard that they were going to be putting a team in Chattanooga, did you do you see that as a strategic move uh, to kind of like put the foot down uh, for grassroots soccer and kind of stop that? Or do you think it was truly meant to be something synergistic uh, between CFC and, and, the, and another USL side? Honestly, when I first heard the news, I thought it was 100% they're just trying to tear down CFC. They're trying to end that. The more I started working on this story, though, the more I've talked to like Sean McDaniel, who jumped ship over there. 
uh, Grace Stevens, who's their uh, PR person. I talked to um, Tim Hankinson, the coach. I talked to uh, the owner. His name slipped my mind now. Um, I talked to a couple of players. I think it's definitely – I don't know how I want to word this. Um, I think it's definitely – could have hurt CSP a lot. I think it, I don't think it has hurt CSP at all. I think if anything, it's made them better. But I think that they do want to grow the game in Chattanooga. Just talking to them, I don't think they. Because a lot of the people that they've hired are local people, like Sean McDaniel's local, uh, Grace is local. Like it's a lot of local people, and I think they do want to grow the game. I'm not exactly satisfied with all the ways they've went about growing the growing into the game here. But I think overall, their idea is not a negative thing. I think the way they've carried out a lot of it has been negative, but I don't think it's overall was their intention to come in and be a negative force. Right. I understand. Um, so ultimately, you would say that, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, you think it could be a net positive because I guess to look at it, it has to, they have to grow the game in Chattanooga for it to be successful. Because as we've seen, you know, I guess some of the early turnout and that sort of thing, uh, both teams are going to have to grow for both of them to stay here long term. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I went to the Red Wolf game against, uh, who's it again? Greenville, I think. It was, uh, yeah, it was against Greenville. I had that. It was a big weather delay. I left during the weather delay because I don't like through all of it. But I think their announced attendance was something like 2,700 or something like that. And all of a sudden, they were looking around when we got there, and I thought it was maybe eight or 900. So I think it's something like it's their practices aren't all great, but I think some of the things they're doing, I think it's a good idea, but I think the way they're carrying it out isn't good. Right. But they definitely do need to like grow their attendance, grow their support before it can really be a sustainable thing for their club. So Eric, let, let me let me go back to something you said a little earlier. Um, you said when you talked with the folks uh, with the Red Wolves, you got the sense that well, I don't know, I don't know if you completely finished your thought that that, that do you that they they wanted to grow the game at Chattanooga. They did not want to come and and take over the market. And I mean, do you think that they? I mean, it's it's hard for me to looking at this again. I'm a CFC fan. Um, and it's, but it's hard to look at look at this and say that they're that they're that they're maybe not their stated goal, but uh, I mean I, I don't know how they succeed if CFC is still here. Um, and so I, you know, I, I got into or I've talked with some folks and and told them that I I just don't see how um, you know how they how how they can say to us and say to anybody that their goal is not to put CFC out of business. I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard for, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm a CFC fan. I may be, I may be seeing black helicopters where there aren't any. Um, but uh, it, it's hard for me not to, not to think that way. And and you're saying, you know, did you get any of that sense from talking with them or, um, you know, are they just focused on kind of their, what they're doing and, and how they want to do it? Um, I'll start with saying that I'm a hundred percent a CFC fan too. If it comes down to, being on the red side of the blue side, I'm definitely going to follow the boys in blue. Uh, but I still believe that supporting the growing soccer scene in Chattanooga is going to be essential overall. Um, yeah, but just talking to like all of them, none of them had anything negative to say on CFC. Anything, they all were saying how great the stuff they've done here has been, and they want to build off that. Um, I think with CFC going pro now, that's going to be a little bit more tough with two pro teams. I think if it would have been, you know, CFC still staying down in NPSL and then the Red Bull being pro, it would have been a little bit different. I think with two pro teams, it might be a little bit more difficult, but I think it's still definitely something that can be done. I think there is enough support there to have both teams, especially if it doesn't have to be an either or thing. It's something like you can support just soccer in Chattanooga, even if you have, a favorite team out of the two. So, again, kind of, Todd, let me just ask one more thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, 
you know, when you, you said you, you felt like CFC has done a lot, right, a lot right, um, but clearly there were uh, there were folks within the organization that felt like we were not we were not um, kind of uh, we were not going the right down the right path. And I and I will admit the I guess the after last season, you know, I, I remember I remember tweeting out and talking to some folks and said that CFC really feels like that it's stagnated that that we've kind of we reached a level we were played in several finals, um, we, but then kind of everybody else kind of caught up and and, and we we really felt like we were just kind of treading water and um, and so I, I wonder just to take get your thoughts on. Clearly, some people in the club felt that it was time to make a decision, time to make a choice. Um, from what I, from my limited understanding, USL came and talked with the the club. Some in the club clearly wanted to go USL, some didn't, and those who wanted to go USL found an owner, Bob Martino, in Utah, and and went that way. So, you know, looking back, do, do you think uh, we that the CFC that CFC missed a chance to to um, to go that route, or um, you know, or, or do you think that we're on the path uh, that we need to be on? Honestly, I'm not sure at the moment. Um, I'm not sure if CFC last year or two years ago would have been right for USL. This year, it's a completely different team. I feel like the team this year would have been all right for USL, but I'm not sure if it's the club built for that. I think the club is built to be a pro team. I think it's definitely a pro team. I don't think it fits in USL, though. USL is just different. There, there's something over there. I don't know what uh, – USL is just different. Yeah. I think uh, I think CFC is definitely great as a pro club. They're fantastic. Uh, I really like the path they're on right now, though. You do like the path they're on? Yes. I wish okay. we would hear an announcement soon about a league after Founders Cup, but <laughs> I like the, I, I mean, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't we all? Yeah. Okay, Todd. I'm sorry, I interrupted you there for a sec. No, no, not at all. So you you led me perfectly into my next line of question about where CFC's headed. So when you look at all the available leagues that are out there that may or may not exist today, but may exist tomorrow or might not exist tomorrow, because after all, we are talking about lower-level soccer in the U.S., what league do you look at as being the right fit uh, moving forward for CFC, whether it's uh, MPSL Pro, whether it's NISA, whether it's uh, some other some other league that, that may not even exist yet? So what, what are your thoughts on that? And honestly, that's something that's just down to the stability of soccer in the U.S. right now. Like, NPSL Pro, I don't even know if that's happening anymore with all the teams that have dropped out of that. And it just seems really uncertain with that right now. So I don't know if that's the right path to just keep looking at that, hope something comes around next year. Or to go to NISA, who's been picking up a lot of these teams, but they still have teams that they don't, haven't announced yet that they just have a location for. So it's like, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons for different leagues. I don't think you can go back to just NPSL at the moment because I don't think you can go from a full season to a short season again. I don't think that's something that you can – I don't think you can go from a full season playing all NPSL and Founders Cup and then go back to just NPSL regular for the next season. So I'm not sure – um, NISA, they do have the, like, a lot of the big name teams that they start pulling in, but it's still a what if league. It's a league that we don't have a lot of real solid info for. We have, I mean, they haven't played a game yet, so it's something like maybe, maybe not. And then the Founders Cup's the same way. Like, you don't know what's coming after the Founders Cup. They haven't made any announcements about NPSO Pro. We don't know if, that's going to happen still. We don't know what's going on there. So, it's yeah, I still feel like a lot of the a lot of the benefits of NISA right now, or a lot of the hype around it, is around what we don't know. I feel like people yeah. are more hyped about what we don't know as opposed to what we do know about it. Um, yeah, I think it still uh, leaves a lot of questions, and I think it's fair to say, you know, are they even going to get started this fall when they propose that they would? I, I struggle to see that right right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree. 
still have a lot of holes they need to fill before they can even get play going. So, right. It's just, I think CFC needs to find a stable league to play in. I think that's more important than finding the perfect league. I think they need to find a stable league at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> we are talking about fourth division U.S. soccer, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at, at its base level, it's a it's a uh, 6.5 on the Richter scale yeah, really, in terms of stability. So. Really. So, Eric, when you spoke to the folks at CFC about uh, you know, for this for this piece, um, you know what what was what did you get from them in terms of what they felt like the the future of CFC was? Talking to them is something they want to keep building, but they want to keep building it slowly. It's not something they want to just have a big push into big explosion because when you have that big explosion of growth, it's hard to maintain that. So talking to them that was one of the big things they stressed is continue the slow and consistent growth into becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger club. Um, the, I did the interviews in like November mm-hmm. and it's, I just didn't get around to actually getting the articles done until more recently. So it was before NPSL Pro had even been announced yet. Okay. Uh, there was no NPSL Pro yet. So yeah, so I didn't have a whole lot of, I've been asking about it, but they wouldn't really give anything away because it hadn't officially been announced yet. Yeah. So it was more of talking about a more abstract thing than they were talking. They were really putting, uh, all the stress on me growing slowly and consistently. Did you feel like MPSL Pro was reactionary or a natural step uh, for the teams that find themselves in that, that potentially in that league? Um, I've heard a lot of people say it was reactionary, but at the same time, it was being talked about before. USL League Two or USL League One was, if I remember correctly. I remember NPSL being NPSL pros have been talked about for a while. So I'm not sure how reactionary it was. Um, I think a lot of the teams that, are, that were in the initial plan for NPSL Pro were teams that were the most capable out of the NPSL teams. Your Detroit Cities, your Chattanooga FCs, New York Cosmos, Miami FC, all those teams that already have a fan base and they're already seen success that would be capable of going up to the next level. So I don't think it was a they're pushing it early. I think it was definitely a next step for a lot of those teams. Um but we've also seen the teams drop out that weren't able to handle it. There was I believe there was one team that dropped out just for regular NPSL, wasn't there? And then there was gestures. Yes. And then uh the Two other teams dropped out to join NISA. So right. I'm not sure uh, if it was more reactionary or of a just I, – I think it's more of a natural step, really, because most of these teams are at the point where they've grown as much as they're going to grow in NPSL. Yeah, like, I mean, you're sure. not going to see huh? – Go ahead. Like, you're not going to see the Cosmos or the CFC or Detroit City get much bigger than they already are playing at an amateur level or at a semi-pro level. And these are already really big clubs for this level. So I think moving up to the pro, moving up to a new smaller pro league would be a good next step if it works out. Yeah, it, I mean, I think that one of the things that made it feel really reactionary was the placement of the USL teams. I mean, you know, you've got You've got a Chattanooga team plopping right in to this market. You've got a Greenville team where there's an MPSL team already there. Then you have Memphis, Memphis 901 that just showed up. And, you know, now the Memphis MPSL team is is gone. Um, so, it, oh, and I think you have Birmingham too. Is that right? Is there? A, yeah, Birmingham. Yeah. So you have Birmingham where there was an MPSL team. So it really felt, I mean, it really felt like this was a um, – like a preemptive strike on us on on MPSL targets by USL, uh, and you know some of those other clubs, you know, weren't as successful, so they couldn't they couldn't maintain. Uh, others like Greenville and, and uh, Greenville have have kind of um, persevered, and then teams like Chattanooga, you know, are, are probably big enough to, to at least survive that initial that initial front. But I think that's why it feels like for folks outside not knowing what's going on in MPSL. Um, you know, behind the scenes, it, f- it really felt reactionary. And then, you know, I think I asked this question to folks 
you know the 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 jesters thing is just uh, is just really strange to me. I, d- I don't know what to think about it because the jesters were fairly successful on the field. They stopped playing. Their coach is still the commissioner uh, of or what? Not the commissioner. The uh, I don't know what the title is, but he's the head of MPSL. And then you hear them talking about um, things going on, and because he came out pretty soon after he said that the gestures weren't going to be playing, that they weren't they were looking for professional options, and it really sounded to me like a almost like a hey USL, why don't you come here? Um, and yet he's still he's still very involved with MPSL. I'm not really still really not sure what to make of that. Um, whether if it's if it's if it's crazy that he's still in MPSL or if it means something that we just don't know. And like Todd said, there's just some people are just, you know, they're really more excited about the things we don't know and the potential than, than kind of what's going on. Eric, I guess uh, kind of CFC moving forward in, into this professional structure, how critical do you see, uh, the development of the CFC Academy and what kind of role do you see it playing moving forward for the overall long-term success of CFC? I think what the Academy's done so far has been incredible. I would like to see more Academy uh, products in the CFC 11, more players that have, or even players that are currently in the Academy, maybe getting called up, sitting on the bench, getting that experience, dressing with the club and everything. Um, but moving up to pro, I'm not sure, because you didn't see that a whole lot when they're in PSL regular. So moving up to pro, I'm not sure how much you're going to be able to see a lot of academy products get, get called up, getting to get that experience there. Um, but I think outside of that, the academy does bring more eyes to the game. It does help grow the game, which I think is ultimately one of your biggest goals as a club is to help grow the game, especially when you're trying to grow your club, you need to grow the exposure to the game in the area. So I think having a really strong academy there is going to help grow the game, help bring more eyes to the game, and help get more eyes on Chattanooga FC's senior team. So I think ultimately the academy is going to be a really big part of CFC, but I wish it was a little bit bigger and we got to see some more academy products getting called up or current academy players getting called up and sitting on the bench occasionally, maybe getting subbed in, but I'm not sure how much we'll see that. Yeah, and I don't even know. It's like you said, moving from MPSL to a pro, uh, there may be just some, I mean, if you did that, kids may lose college eligibility in some cases now, uh, which is why I've argued that it's going to be critical in the next year or so to bring back or to establish either a regular MPSL team and have the CFC Pro team, and or have a like a U23 team that competes in some sort of league that these kids don't lose their college eligibility because that's still you know the primary outlet for most kids instead of going from high school to pro is you know going that college route. So there's going to have to be some sort of team in between the academy and the uh, pro team. And that's something that I'd really like to see would be like having the pro team play in whatever league they decide to play in and then having a CFC2 or something in NPSL and in NPSL regular that's built primarily out of academy players that are getting their chance to play with the big boys and hopefully eventually move up to the pro team if they can play well enough there. Yeah, and I think Eric. I think that's something that uh, that I have to I have to say that the Red Wolves have done well is to put that team in Dalton and I think we're going I'm I'm sure that that Todd will ask about that in a, a little bit later. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, to to give have have that lower level team um, that the cat their their academy kids could potentially play in, and I think that's another thing that's really thrown a wrench into this whole thing uh, is the the Red Wolves creating an academy, um, having the you know ha- taking a lot of folks from the CFC academy, um, and and you know I think I think it's gonna. It's thrown a wrench into that plan of of having C, have academy kids kind of move up to CFC because the unfortunately the top teams uh, from CFC Academy are are you know those coaches and have uh, have moved over to the Wolves. You know I told Todd this um, a couple of episodes ago, but like all of my kids' coaches except for one um, are now uh, over at Chattanooga Red Wolves, and um, 
And so I, you know, I think, I think that's going to, that's, that's going to take it, take a, that will put a, a wrench in the plan of, uh, of having Academy kids kind of move up into the team. Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it because with CFC, you don't really have a way to move up and actually get that big time experience. With the Red Wolves, they have the Dalton team that's really, I mean, they're doing well. They have a few really good players on. They have like Omar Hernandez from Dalton who won Gatorade National Player of the Year this year. They have, um, they have a goalkeeper from Dalton. They have, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, David Perez, who went to Northwest and played for CFC for a little bit. Yeah. Um, they have, then they have a couple of the guys from Mary. They have some guys from Alabama. So they have, I mean, they have a way to move up into that. So it's definitely something that CFC will need to capitalize on. It's something they'll need to move forward with if they're going to keep pulling in the high name academy players. But I think it's, I mean, I think it's, I'd love to see it with CFC. I'd love to see something like that. Yeah, I don't remember, Eric, when, when you talked with the CFC folks, that, did you ask them about kind of what they saw the role of the academy being with, with CFC moving forward? Did you get into that conversation at all? Um, I believe we talked about it briefly. They talked about uh, – they didn't really talk about moving forward. They talked about more what they've done with the academy and the good they've done with it so far. We didn't really get a chance to talk about the academy moving forward. Okay. So I'm glad that you, you kind of brought it up and you and I both being Northwest Whitfield grads, being from Dalton, uh, there's a league in Dalton, which is just now known as the Dalton Soccer League, uh, but it's probably made up of uh, Hispanics, mostly uh, Mexican descent. And uh, in your article, you, you credit the high schools, but what kind of role, uh, and I guess to I, I've played in this league, but what kind of role do you see that league that that impact that it's had on the uh, production at the high school level in Whitfield County. That's the league that plays behind the uh, Taco Bell, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. They've done. There's a lot of really good players in Dalton. Uh, there's another park that has the smaller walled infields. Um, it's over off of Cleveland Highway in Dalton. And I'll, I used to go down there with my friends. And the other day we went down there a while home. They're like, "Hey, you want to go play soccer?" I was like, "You know, that sounds awesome." So I went down there. Uh, we played for a few minutes. It was just like five. Or, there was like six of us, I think. They were on a team. They were playing against each other. We were playing just a little pickup game. And then about six or seven o'clock, those like another, a group of other kids came up, and then another group of kids came up. And eventually, those like a little there's little bleachers standing there next to it. The bleachers are filled up. There's people set on the walls, and everyone's just crowded around watching this. And it was an insane atmosphere. Like it's something I've never really experienced before. It was a titled area, just packed full of people that were all there just to play. It was like king of the court style. You lose your off, you win, you keep playing. And it was just an awesome thing, like <clears throat> to see the love of the game out there. And they're all pretty young kids. Like everyone was. I'd say a sophomore or younger. It was a lot of younger kids. There were a few uh, high school kids, or a few older high school kids, a few kids that graduated like us. There was one gentleman who was probably in his late 20s, early 30s, but it was mostly younger kids that were like late middle school, early high school. They're out there playing and just giving it, and they were giving it their all. It wasn't like they were just out there moving around. They were out there playing hard. So it was awesome to see that, and that's just something that you see and you can tell the game's growing. It's something that, 15 years ago wouldn't be happening at Dalton. It's, it's so, something that I really love to see in this area. So kind of like the, the visual is kind of what some of us old, in older generation would associate with maybe like pickup uh, style basketball games at our local recs. They, the games get heated, they're intense, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. like everyone was going hard. For, there may be a weird edit there for our listeners. Uh, I had a little technical problem, so we're going to check back in with Todd and Eric uh, in their conversation about uh, North Georgia soccer. So, Todd, you were, you were saying? Uh, just like the development of players in that league down there and the premise that they play based on if you're good enough, you're old enough, I feel like it accelerates uh, the development of the talent uh, so far beyond what we see in a more structured environment a lot of times. And this is a, 
and that's a league and a, uh, I guess, a soccer culture that doesn't exist everywhere, but is really thriving in Dalton. Yeah, and it being in the South, like you hear a lot of people say, like, oh, soccer can't happen in the South. This is football nation and everything like that. Like, but in Dalton, like Dalton proves that's not true. Dalton is just saturated with great young talent that you don't get in other places in the country. It's just absolutely 100% loaded with players that are, like, like I was saying before, we got back on the recording, uh, there's players that might not make a high school team here. They could go to, like, Vermont and be the star of their team or, like, could go to some other state and be the star of their high school team. Like, it's just so loaded with players here that you don't always get the opportunity for everyone to get on a high school team, and the high school teams are the ones who get the most size. High schools and clubs get the most size, not your little rec teams. So it's loaded with talent, and that is almost a bad thing. Yeah, I think that also is is kind of what's wrong. You know, one of the things you hear about our system uh, being kind of wrong about the U.S. system is pay for play, and the you know it, it is difficult for with the fees associated with club soccer um, for some of those players to break through. I know that that you know the academy has uh, the CFC academy has has some grants and some and some kind of financial aid. I know. Um, being on teams with with my boys, you know, we have pitched in to assist a family so that that their son um, can play, and it's just it's just unfortunate that you know that's that's kind of the the system that we've got. And another reason why that league down there is as good as it is, um, because you know it's it's affordable for those families that they can go out and, and play really top soccer. And Eric, I would be remiss if I didn't ask the following: What's your official position on promotion relegation in the U.S.? I'm 100% for it. I think the pyramid needs to be sorted out. Sometimes we have a lot of two leagues that are claiming the same level or really just leagues that are not in a level. They're kind of just thrown in. But I think it's something that would help grow the game. I think it's something that we need in the United States. And plus, who wouldn't love to see a relegation battle on the last day of the season or a promotion battle on the last day of the season? Like Everybody loves that. So I think it's something that I would love to see in the United States, and I think it would help grow the game in the U.S. Anything else you'd just like to add to to the interview? Any any last thoughts? Well, actually, Eric, before we before we let you go, I want, I want you to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about protagonist. Um, you know, I've recently, just fairly oh, recently, sorry. found the site, and um, you know, I I knew about it before your. You know, I think the first time I read was the the articles about the pyramid that the the American pyramid, the, those kind of series of three articles. I think was the first time that I really I really got on the site and and, and read some, and then of course your series um, kind of brought me back and uh, talk a little bit about Protagonist and and what that site is, what its goal is, and, and kind of your role with them. So I've been here since pretty much the start. Uh, I'm really proud of everything we built so far, though. I believe that we're the top lower league site, or one of the top, if not the top. I think we're the top. I like to think <laughs> we're the best. Yeah. Um, but we we started out, we are planning on doing more like recaps, stuff like that, but having a smaller staff, we moved towards more feature stuff, and pretty much everything we do is feature writing right now. We cover everything in all the lower league teams. The lower league terms kind of a little bit iffy with us. We were doing just amateur, and now NPSL pros, NPSL pros come in, and we're doing that, and occasionally they'll get up a little bit higher than that. There's an interesting story. But it's mostly amateur with an asterisk. So we do a lot of that. We cover a lot of the lower league teams. And then also I started up, I founded with, I founded the GSMU, the Grassroots Soccer Media Union, back mm-hmm. in May. We've got a lot of protagonist members in there. We have guys like Steve from Non-League America. We've got a writer from Midfield Press. We've got some podcasters in there. And it's something that it's just, I'm really proud of what we've done there too. This week will be our ninth week of the top 25 poll we've done. I think that's something that's really awesome that we're doing. So I'm just really excited with everything I've done and everything that I've been a part of so far. Uh, I've only been really involved with lower league soccer for about a year now, and I've gotten the chance to experience a lot thanks to protagonist. So I'm really thankful that I stumbled across a Reddit comment that got me into that because I, I posted somewhere asking about where I could write for 
right about Chattanooga FC, and someone said, uh, reach out to Dan Vaughn on Twitter. He's, started, he's trying to start something up. I said, all right. So I reached out to him, and the rest is history. Cool. Well, I, I enjoy the site, and uh, I wanted to have, give you an opportunity to talk about them a little bit. As, as Todd asked, is there anything else that you, anything else you want to cover before before we, uh, we let you go, and you can start packing to, to make that long trip home? Go Bruins. That's what all I got. Go Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> My man. <laughs> All right, Todd. I guess uh, I guess that's it. Uh, Eric, thanks so much uh, for taking some time out of your weekend. I, I know uh, we've been talking about talking about your series for a couple of weeks, and it was great to get you on and to have an opportunity to to, to talk with you about it. Safe travels as you as you head back to Washington, and um, you know I'm looking forward to reading more from you and from the other writers at Protagonist. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you guys, and I appreciate the opportunity. Big thanks again to Eric Long from Protagonist Soccer for taking time out to speak with us. Uh, Once again, don't forget to visit ProtagonistSoccer.com. Look for Eric's articles and enjoy the other articles that they bring us on uh, lower-level soccer here in the United States. Uh, So coming up this week, we have the NPSL playoffs, which have kind of been set now for a little bit. Uh, Friday night uh, gets us kicked off at Finley Stadium. Uh, The early game, we have uh, Asheville versus Greenville. Uh, that is going to be the a 4.30 kickoff, so remember to ask off early on Friday, or if you just usually skip out, skip out down to the game. Uh, we we predict it's going to be a physical match. Uh, it could be significant uh, should CFC advance uh, after facing Nashville in the nightcap. Uh, and remember, from this point on, it's win or go home, uh, and that's, uh, like I said, that's kind of the stakes at this point. So be sure and get down there, support the boys Friday night, support the boys Saturday night if we're lucky enough to go there. Um, and uh, don't don't take these uh, opportunities for granted and don't take that game for uh, uh, versus Nashville for granted. Uh, Jim, anything else you want to add before we uh, take off here? No, I think that's it for the podcast. As always, thank you uh, for listening. You can find us uh, wherever you find uh, your podcast, uh, and we are uh, also. You can find the podcast on Twitter at four two three soccer pod. Again, this is Jim. You can find me on Twitter at Chetagooner. And this is Todd. I'm at gr eight ftblr. Great footballer. All right, go CFC. Go Blues. Oh, and it's got it. Got it. What a shot from Will Street. Off the other side of the crossbar. Nice little chip. Oh, Mr. Oliveira. What a cheeky goal. Oh, oh.